0: This is The Social Geek Radio Network. Geeks, and welcome to Social Geek Rockstars. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing consigliere. Today's rock stars are Liz Solar of Solar Media, Heather Anderson from Ularity, and Northeast Color's Derek Abelman. We're talking culture and core values. Today's episode is brought to you by ServiceMinder, Hughes, and the panel is next after this word from Answer Connect. Everyone has a phone, but not everyone is answering the phone correctly. When you spend marketing dollars to grow your business, you cannot afford to miss any calls or answer the phone with, hey. Answer Connect is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to support new business, current clients, or urgent calls, and they send messages to you immediately. They integrate with many of today's popular CRMs, taking advantage of technology and taking one more thing off your to-do list. Let Answer Connect work in your business so you can work on your business. Call Answer Connect at 800-584-0234. That's 800-584-0234. Or visit answerconnect.com franchise. I really don't have much of a plan like usual when it comes to this. I know you guys have probably put together notes and things like that. So thank you for that. Um, I really just wanted to kind of get everybody's take on on this topic. and And I believe, Heather, it was you that came up with the idea for culture and core values and all of those things that I think all of us feel like our organizations are on top of, but are they really, right? I'll actually introduce everybody now. Joining us today is Liz Solar making her first appearance on Social Geek. How are you, Liz?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me here, Jack. It's always a pleasure.
0: It's been fun playing in your clubhouse and treehouse uh, podcast-wise lately. Um, For those of you who haven't checked this out, Liz has a really great podcast called Embark, and I've joined her frequently in in recent weeks where we talk about difficult topics including politics Ooh. um yeah um one of us is a far out there fringe extremist and the other one of us is a sensible thoughtful moderate <laughs> we only disagree on which one is which um but uh but please check that out it's called embark and you can you can get that on apple and all of the usual places but Liz it's great to have you here joining us today Um, Derek Abelman is joining us from Northeast Color. What's happening, sir?
2: Plenty of things, Jack. I'm happy to be here. This is my favorite part of the day so far.
0: Okay. Well, you never know what's going to happen this afternoon, but um, I've gotten terrific feedback on your appearance a couple of weeks ago here on this show when we were talking about my favorite topic so far until today, imposter syndrome. Everybody really seemed to love that and and some of the things that you were sharing on that show. So thanks for joining us again today. And my uh, colleague from Ularity, Heather Anderson, is here for the first time. Heather and I have been doing some some webinars and some videos and that kind of thing. So I, I'm I'm really glad you're joining us here on Social Geek, Heather. And we'll actually start with you um, since this was your big idea. So we're gonna we're gonna make you go first from a marketing standpoint. And you're a great storyteller. How important is culture to any organization, whether it's a, a company or or other type of organization? Is this really the most critical thing or is it something that's been, you know, sort of overblown? What What's your thought on that?
3: Yeah, I, so it's something I've been thinking a lot about obviously, since I brought it up in our last conversation. Um, but but I think it's become even more relevant through COVID and through all of the tests and trials that we've had as a society the last couple of years. I really believe it is probably the most important thing. I, I think in this day and age, simply having a product and a marketing strategy just isn't enough. Everybody is struggling to stand out in this world of really limited airtime. And I think of all of the things that a business can control, nothing is as important, as invaluable, as as enduring as your brand and your story. And I, I think as I was kind of reflecting back on it, like industries evolve, competitors evolve, technologies become obsolete, copyrights become public domain. We as the people on here that are feeding the fire with more coal we're going to stop one day and move on. But the brand that's going to live on, that's the future legacy. And I think as that brand endures, it only does so because of the commitment to building and maintaining a strong culture. That's the thread that allows you to make sure you're attracting the right people, you're rewarding the right people, you're releasing the right people. So I I feel like that really starts as the core of everything.
0: Do you feel like this is a new sensation? I I have a hard time thinking of you know, General Motors in the 1950s or Coca Cola in the 1930s—did they really focus on culture, or were they just building things and 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 following you know leaders who were, were taking them into success, or did they think about culture and what they were building? I'm, I'm I'm not so sure about that. Any any thoughts on that, Heather?
3: I don't know either. Actually, I th- I think. Um... I think what's important and what's interesting as kind of these industries have evolved is I don't think it was something we were talking about way back when. I think it's become more important as people have really recognized the the core role that human beings are playing in, in building and maintaining the company. And I think even for us in the franchising industry, it becomes then even more important as something you need to think about because you not only have to get your team on board, but you need to get all of your franchisees around the country or around the globe on board. So being able to kind of set that vision, I think it sounds really soft and fluffy, but when you think about it in that respect, that it's the guidepost for everything you're doing as a company and you're defining this living, breathing extension of your brand in order to allow it to grow, it I I think you're probably right. It wasn't something that they were thinking about in that respect back then. It was kind of happening naturally. And as we've started to study and understand what companies were successful and why and which ones have fallen to the wayside and why, it, it continues to kind of bubble up as this core center to what helps those enduring brands stand out and stand the test of time.
0: If we say companies that have a great culture or organizations that have a great culture right now. Does anybody have any that sort of pop into mind first and foremost? What do you think of when you when you hear great culture?
1: I think of places where people want to work, where they have an enthusiasm for it. And that ends up going out into the public. I don't think you can hide your essence for too long. Uh, you know, I can think of Amazon where a lot of people are unhappy there. People mm-hmm. use it because we've become indoctrinated in using Amazon and no slim on Amazon. It's I, this is just what I hear. Um, I do know somebody who works for the TJX companies who own TJ Maxx, Marshalls, HomeGoods, HomeSense, all of those And the culture. There is very friendly. There's a lot of community there. The communication for the most part is pretty good. Great outreach and investment in employees and that translates into uh, an enthusiasm for your company, and that's where you really want to start. That people want to tell your story because they're proud of that story, because what you originated is something that people want to uphold. And and that's I think that's it's hard to tell whether the story comes first or the culture comes first. Do you craft a story that you're able to tell uh, those listeners or those devotees of your brand? Or do you have a culture um, upon which some story ends up uh, evolving? Yeah, or I'm springing going to. From?
0: It feels like the culture needs to come first, and then we we tell the story based on that. Because I see a lot of brands that, um, from the marketing department, uh, create a story and then let's make make it look like the company actually fits this. Thing that we're trying to pretend that we've been doing for a hundred years, but actually we haven't been. Um, and and a lot of that comes out of crisis communications. And you know, oh my gosh, we're we're tied to this celebrity who just said something horrible on Twitter. Quick, let's create a story and and a company history that that you know uh, fit where we want to be, not what people think of us right now. So I think that culture does have to come first. Derek, any any thoughts from you on? on brands that are doing it well or companies that are doing it well right now? Any, any pop to mind first?
2: Oh man. I don't know. A little company called Northeast color is just killing it. (laughs) Tell Uh, me
0: more about Northeast color. Uh,
2: I think you have some copy on that.
0: I believe Uh, I do. (laughs) Northeastcolor.com slash franchise. Um, (laughs) I'm joking, but you know, I have not met anyone from your organization who even in the remote sense, looked at me and said, man, we got to talk someday this place, you know, like, like you, you don't hear those rumblings about you guys and, and, you know, anybody on this call that I hear about a lot of brands in our space. Right. I think that shows with, um, you know, the, the people who, at least to me, appear to be, you know, really thrilled to be a part of what you guys are doing. So.
2: I do have, I do have this response to to what you guys are saying about the story storytelling and I think framing it that way is really helpful because as a writer and as a marketer I'm often really skeptical of of words and of statements that are crafted like those apologies that you just mentioned right where it's like it's all it's all really well honed in to to sort of admit but not admit things or or to present an aspirational idea beautiful ideas of of where we're all going to go and and I, and I think that that's, that's captivating, and you need some element of that. Uh, and I'm with Liz that that, that story resonates out from, from within, and it travels all the way through to, to the client. And I think that there's also this internal marketing that, um, that, is, that is an element of, of culture, right? That I market to, to our clients, to our audience, but I also am instrumental in marketing internally to, to our own culture. Um, We mentioned the pandemic and and how that's affected things. We've actually brought in a lot of new people because of the pandemic. Uh, Many companies have done this, right? But for us, it was a big shift. We're centered, we're a manufacturer centered in Dover, New Hampshire. And I started about five years ago and everyone that worked for us lived in the region. And as a result of COVID, we started bringing in a lot of salespeople, a lot of development people, a lot of account managers that are remote. And we bring everyone in twice a year for an onsite week. And during that onsite week, we do things like community service and um, sort of community activities. We get a food truck, we go apple picking, we do all of these things together. And, and that was one of the first moments where I saw just a strident attempt to build that, that culture. And I found myself in meetings helping to craft a message of what this day was going to be. And I found myself talking to people from radically different backgrounds and, it was, I think, really eye-opening to everyone. It really um, added a lot of sort of positive charge to our company, to the way that we interacted with our clients. And it brought a lot of new ideas and a lot of new perspectives to the table. And, and, I, fe- and I felt like at that moment, the culture really came alive because it was suddenly dynamic. And, and when I think of culture and storytelling, to me, it's, this, it's definitely the story you tell your clients, but it's also the story that we tell ourselves. Right. To explain mm-hmm. the why behind what we do, we're spending 40 plus hours a week together with not our friends, not our family. So who are we to each other and, and what does it mean that, that we're doing? And I, and I think that finding that meaning, that purpose and developing real relationships um, that that affect ourselves and, and ultimately our clients. I think that's really powerful and that that takes investment and that takes, you know, empathy and and a form of humility to to really to to say you don't know everything and to open up to someone else to be able to teach you something because they come from some other perspective. So I think for us, it's been a really powerful time internally for culture in the last couple of years.
0: I like that idea of having activities like apple picking in New Hampshire. Imagine the remote employees who went home and talk to their family and friends about, I went apple picking in New Hampshire. And, you know, as opposed to 90% of the companies out there who, well, what'd you do at your, at your company boondoggle? Well, we, uh, we stayed at the Hilton and then we went to the uh, Hilton bar and then we went to the Hilton restaurant and had a steak. Okay, great. Um, but I think, you know, doing something, can't in, knock in, that.
3: that sounds like a great night out. <laughs> oh, I know that's, that's, <laughs> that's,
0: that's my plan for later tonight, but, but, you know, doing something that's a little different, you never know when something like that could make a huge difference to someone, especially if they're trying to tell their own story about how, how well things are going for them at this new company that they just joined. And, and you, you just never know what's going on. In someone's life, that if you feed a little bit of a story to them, they might amplify that and and share it with uh, uh, lots of other people and 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 go down that road. On the apple picking, in particular, there was this one
2: moment that that had a bit of a there was an insight I think to that moment where we were all in that in the orchard picking apples, and suddenly I saw our creative director bolt out of the orchard, and and he was. Um, following one of our creative designers and they both just were trucking to the to the parking lot and they took off and I asked what what had happened and what I came to find out was that one of our designers son his son had been involved in an accident and it was and it was just like it happened and off they bolted right so the activity was picking apples but the culture was that when he took off out of that orchard he wasn't
0: alone Mm. Mm. nice very nice so that's culture
1: <laughs> well that is culture but culture can be a lot of things you can be at a very negative culture too i think the aspiration is to be in a culture that lifts people up and your example is a great example of what a good culture in whether it's a you know a, a team of people or it's nationwide you know hundreds of thousands of people who work for a particular organization and are we there for each other and what makes A story so compelling in terms of marketing a business is the humanity behind it. As we've found facts, figures, truthiness, you know, it doesn't really fly with most of us, right? We've tended to shy away from the facts, but you can't get away from the humanity of a story that involves people. And that is a great story. That's, you know, I hope that is featured prominently somewhere. Because it's a great example, I think, for everybody, that we can do very big things in really small ways.
0: You mentioned negative culture, Liz. Um, let's talk about the other side of this coin with the toxic culture that so many organizations have now, and I hope that's on the decline. But I, I don't know. Um, where do you even start when, when you think? that a culture may be toxic or things may be negative and we've got some work to do here. How do you even, first of all, how do you know if your own company has a negative culture and where do you begin to make that change? Any, any ideas there?
1: Well, you know, you're in a bad environment, you know, you can feel that. And I think people need to trust their instincts about this just feels wrong. I mean, we know we're in a bad Mm -hmm. relationship. It feels pretty abusive. And um, we've both in, been in broadcasting. And oh, yeah.
0: No, no toxic cultures there. Not at all.
1: <laughs> not at all. And I worked for a company that actually had their core values on a big poster as you walked into their beautiful lobby in downtown Boston. And they they had all those core values listed. I can't tell you the number of people whose lives were ruined because of those supposed core values. Yeah. So it's the intentionality with which we put forth those values. We say them, do we believe them? Do we exercise them? It's great to have a slogan, you know, just do it. But if you like to be on the sofa, you're probably not gonna be running today. So it's it's the intentionality and it's the, um, the action that you take on those values. You know, are you gonna stay or go? Just, you know, one more thought is, I don't believe anybody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to be a jerk today to the people that I work with, work for, work under. um, We don't think sometimes, and again, that's an intentionality. How are we going to, are we going to lead with kindness today? And people sometimes are too wrapped up in their own self-interest or in their own anxieties to reach out and actually do something to elevate a culture.
0: Hughes powers the networks that people and franchises everywhere depend on. Reach out and find out how Hughes can become your networking partner. Call Carl Udler at 301-601-6427 or visit Hughes.com slash franchise. Heather, you had a point you were you were going to drive to uh, a few minutes ago.
3: Yeah, I think it it ties into what Liz was just saying. I, I think I, I love the idea, and Derek, you commented on this that um, you're doing all these great events that are giving people the space and the opportunity to connect. But then you're also spending a lot of time thinking through how do we position these things? And what, what is the goal and the output of this? It's not just, hey, let's cut out work for a couple hours and go have some fun and frolic around and fill our Instagram stories. But like th- this is an intentional outing. And so I, I think for especially in toxic cultures or in positive ones, it it has to be intentional that it, It starts with leadership, but it's about more than just getting out and about, and it's about more than just setting those core values. I I do think some organizations maybe kind of check the box on like, all right, we're a business now. We need to have our mission statement and our vision statement, our core values, check, 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 and now let's get down to business. But how you bring those to life every day, I think the behaviors that are modeled because of those core values That's, I think, what builds a company and it has to be something that's very intentional that you're talking about and thinking about on a regular basis and that you take the time to go back and make sure, do these core values even reflect the current peak group of people that we have in the organization? Do they still resonate? Is this still something that we hold to be true? Um, And then how are we going to make sure that in all of our meetings and in all of our interactions, we're building trust and we're building transparency and we're helping the team work more closely together so that they can on their ship of whatever sail that much faster through the water
0: how do we start is it um especially when it comes to you know let's come up with our core values and our mission statement and everything is that something that that um needs to be a big project? Or is it something that's already kind of baked into the people who are already there, maybe the founders or, or whoever's in charge? Does it sort of depend on what their actual values are? And, and does that turn into trouble then when you're trying to, you know, sort of push your values onto all of these other people joining your organization? I'm not really sure where the line is there.
3: So I've actually gone through this exercise twice at one organization, once where we were creating them and then once where we actually had the opportunity to go back and audit them and make sure they still held true. So it was very interesting. And the first time we went through it, it was the spaceship exercise where it's it's kind of like a lifeboat where you're envisioning that the office is going to be opening an extension on Mars and you need to nominate the people That would theoretically be sent into space to represent your brand and your ethos to the aliens. And so it's, it's not as much about do we have all the core job functions there, but who are the type of people that we want to go and represent us. And then those are the people that are going to get in a room and really talk through what are our values. And I know it probably sounds a little bit weird. I, I should add the caveat. I worked for a kid's company. So we did a lot of weird exercises that felt totally normal and fun at the time. Um,
0: <laughs> That's okay. You, you need, you need, uh, you need to bring a little bit of that fun to other types of organizations too. So
3: <laughs> you do know, It's, it's, if you haven't worked for a kid's brand, I highly recommend it. It'll help you get in touch with the inner four-year-old inside. Um <laughs> But uh, but what I loved about that is when you're going through that exercise, you want it to not be like the 10 commandments that you're handing down or, or the 15, if you ascribe to the Monty Python version, that you're handing down these <laughs> commandments to your employees and here's what to follow. But it's really people from all levels of the organization having the opportunity to determine who we are and who we want to be when we grow up. And so then a couple of years later, we went through the second iteration where we'd had a lot of transitions in the company. We had new leadership in place. And so we wanted to make sure is what we're talking about on a regular basis, does this still hold true for what we want to be now when we grow up 10 years from now? And so this time we did it a little bit differently. We actually took the leadership team which at the time was like 50% of the company. So we had a good representation. Um, but we, we took them and they were the ones that we went through kind of a post-it note exercise to keep voting and keep whittling down to make sure, is this our core set of values? But then let's get everybody in the organization involved in how do we bring these to life? Each group take a core value and what are the behaviors and the actions that we're gonna model and set as a company so we make sure we truly are living by these standards on a daily basis. So I think it was just a nice way to make sure everybody was aligned and this is who we are and this is what we want to project and this is how we want to treat each other. And then let's all make sure we're putting actions against this so that this becomes a daily part of our exercise and not just wallpaper.
0: I like that idea of having that done over that sort of process. And then I'm assuming it then went out to all of your locations and franchisees and instructors and then then from there it trickled down to the students and the parents and and the customers.
3: Yeah. And so I'll, I'll add one more thing that that we did to kind of take it one step further. And so th- this was very much inspired by, I think it's the Ritz Carlton. They have an internal motto that is ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And doesn't that just tell you everything you need to know about what your experience is going to be at that business, but it's nothing that's consumer facing. You can find it. If you go dig around their website and they they've done a nice job kind of outlining who they are, who they want to be, what their purpose is in the world. But, but it really brings to light for a customer and for an employee, what your behavior should be when you're on the premises and when you're within that business. And so We kind of took that exercise to the same degree where we were like, we want to come up with our mantra. What's our motto that this is how we behave? This is how all team members behave. This is how all franchisees behave and how that really transcends then down to the customer level and becomes something that's very ownable in the marketplace.
1: What's genius about that, Heather, you know, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, it's not a lot to remember. There's nothing complicated about it. And sometimes we just want the easiest route to wherever we need to go. And it's hard enough for people to be mindful of that during their day. The phone's ringing, someone's complaining about something. There are hundreds of emails waiting to be answered people's, you know, people have the pressures of outside, not to mention what the last few years have been like for for most people, particularly people who have young children at home. Uh, So there's been a lot of frayed nerves. And for somebody to be able to remember something simple like that and be able to summon it when they really need it, when they have that last thread that they're hanging on to is just incredible. What have you been able to come up with in some of the Uh, workplaces that you've been involved in that are similar to that?
3: Yeah. So the, so I I worked for the little gym international previously. And so the one that we came up with at the time was um, the springboard to life's adventures. And what I loved about that was it, 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 it evokes the movement and the feeling of the gymnastics facility and the tumbling that you're doing, but it really translates to every type of person that we would touch as an organization that for those that were at our headquarters, You may not be here forever. Whatever you do, we want to be the springboard to whatever adventure is next in life for you. Same goes for our franchise owners and then down to the children at our locations. We're all about setting them up for a lifetime of success and making sure that whatever hobby or whatever they pursue next in life that they do so with this very successful foundation of physical and emotional and social skills. So it was really kind of speaking to how we can set up everybody that we touch for what's gonna be best and next for them, wherever they go. Thanks.
2: That's interesting because working in a franchise, being in a franchise, right? it's, It's such a different model because that culture, that brand has to carry so far throughout so many different elements of the system and, and creating that consistency, I think it's really brilliant to have something that is that simplified and yet, and, and yet empathetic and meaningful on our side of the fence, because we're a manufacturer, we're a supplier, many of the people working in our organization are involved in, in the creation of the product, the selling of the product, the creation of the product. And and what we've, the culture that we've tried to cultivate around that involves, Elements of um, sort of accountability, being able to understand what part of this you're responsible for and how that accountability connects to other people. Um, We've also begun book clubs, rolling book clubs that kind of address some of these issues. One of them is uh, leadership and self-deception, and I think that the part from that that is really powerful for us is to remember that everyone you're dealing with, you need to treat them like a person, not an object, not an obstacle. Not a box you need to check because, right? We're building. We're building a product, so there is that that sort of factory mentality. We're we're all trying to keep efficiency moving. We're all trying to keep timelines moving, and and it can become difficult to to maintain that level of empathy with with one another when you have all of these pressures and you don't see how it connects to the outside world. I recently did an interdepartmental survey where I I interviewed all of the managers of our company and asked them customer experience questions, people that don't have anything to do with the client, people that never see the client personally, but whomever is in our shipping department, they're the final mile. Their action is the first thing that client's going to see when they open the box, right? They have that, their fingerprints, everyone's fingerprints is on this and to shift that mindset And to really understand the role that you play in someone else's experience in the branding of the company, in the marketing of the company. And we're lucky in that everyone, and and I say this sincerely, I've worked for companies where not everyone cared. Um, I've worked for companies where that varied. And this is not one of those companies these people are very serious about this because our company started as as a small mom and pop business and it's grown into this and we're still growing right so part of this is an evolution to to entrain that mindset to get people to think empathetically about one another to think empathetically about that about the client and the effect it has on the client right if this shipment is late that person can't open their doors that's a real effect right if this if this goes to the wrong address, that's terrible. If, it, if the order is wrong, it has a major impact on someone's business and life immediately. Immediately, they can't just send it back for a refund. It doesn't work that way. So, it's interesting to hear, just again how how that how the franchise network operates versus versus this manufacturing side of things. And and I've learned a lot just by by speaking with people like you and and being in this franchise community. It's, it's been immeasurably helpful.
0: I like that idea of sharing with everybody along the chain um, that their job is important to the customer. Um, I think there are so many jobs, especially in for those of us on this call who have been involved in things like marketing and, you know, media and things like that. There, there's there are at times a sense of this isn't brain surgery, right? Nobody's going to die, right? It's not rocket science. It's not that hard. And it's like, yeah, nobody's going to die if I screw something up. However, it could affect some small business who can't open its doors this week or the, or the, the massive ad spend that or it's massive to them that they're about to do just got screwed up. And, and now that's going to affect their, their year end. And and who knows what is going to happen from there, right? It could be some butterfly effect. So there could be a lot more on this than, you know, oh, I messed up something on a, on a Facebook ad or a spreadsheet. You know, it really could have real impact on somebody else down the line.
3: Well, I think that's critical. I also love what, what you said, Derek, is helping each person really understand Their role in the process. I think that's the other part where maybe people aren't as concerned or worried. They don't understand the ramifications because they don't feel bought into the bigger picture, the bigger vision. So making sure that every single person understands on the team where the company is going, what the vision is, and how they contribute, I think is so critical because one of the things we found as we went through these exercises were you know, our accounting team or, or the girls that work the front desk would come up and say, you know, I've been here for a long time, but I never really understood until now how what I'm doing is contributing to that bigger picture and how we're all playing that role together. So I think that's really what helps bring everybody in so that they're all rowing in the same direction.
1: Yeah, to add to that, Heather and Derek, because I, I, I love that it's not just you're responsible for this or don't mess this up. It's There's a dignity to whatever you do, whatever you feel your status has been in this company. It's just been raised because we've elevated that by including you in this process and letting you know how important what you do and who you are um, is to the organization. And there's, I, I think sometimes what has gotten lost is there's a lack of um, a feeling of dignity about what people do, and they feel overlooked. And the greatest thing you can do to anybody in your organization is say, "I see you. Come on in."
0: Could it be that a lot of people, especially in the United States, but other countries as well, um, over the decades, maybe we've we've lost our sense of purpose a bit, or or maybe we used to self-identify with you know other things in life religion political affiliation sports teams something like that and and maybe now that people are working 60 70 hours a week they're they're so involved in their company and their organization that maybe they they don't have that close affiliation with some other place that's giving them a you know an identity and and maybe that's why the culture of a company is a little bit more important now than it was maybe a generation ago? Just just a thought. I, know, I was,
3: I was going to say the opposite, actually. Like there's there's a challenge right now. I think there's this loyalty challenge of as people are hopping around so much, are they identifying with the culture as oh, much as yeah,
0: they
2: do? Yeah.
3: That's more of a disconnect. Are they identifying with other things that connect them to the outside world? Do they feel watered down or like they need to bite their tongue because of backlash or whatever it might be so is this there is this kind of it's moving in the opposite direction which makes culture and the conversation that we're having right now so much more important because it's become kind of a yeah we know we need to have that but
2: I would agree I mean I think that I think it's important and I think that when when someone is interviewing for a job and this is pretty obvious that that the job is being interviewed. The company is being interviewed just as much, right? Mm-hmm. That there is a premium on if I'm going to give you some of my life, some of my time, if I'm going to commodify my experience for you, there has to be a larger purpose to that. Do I want to belong to your culture? I want a work-life balance. What does it mean for me to give part of myself to you? And, and now I'm going to share my identity with you. I'm going to share an association with you. And if somebody does something crazy in your company, I'm associated with that now too, right? If you guys fail on something, I'm associated with that now too. So I think that that, that street is is so much more of a, a two-way channel now than, than it used to be before. And I, I think that that's very positive. I think that that's, that's an important thing. And as much as I wish that those things that we could have identified with more or in previous times, we're still on tap in the same way or that we still have paths to that. And I'm sure we do. I think that the, the, the rebalancing of that is, is an important thing because it makes us much more responsible for how we approach someone else's life, right? Like I've worked at my company for five years before that I worked at somewhere for four years, put together. That's 10 years. That's a whole, that, that's multiple chapters in my life, 10 years of my life. And I gave it to these two things, to these two entities you know and i can't get that back and and i and i i can't regret that i have to i have to square with that at some level and so does everyone else um so i think that that puts a lot of emphasis on that culture and and makes it radically more meaningful
0: heather could yeah. there be like a like a cause and effect with people jumping around um you know, people are not staying in jobs. Again, especially marketing people are staying in jobs. What about eighteen months now is is the average? Could it be because of a lack of culture or a bad culture? It it doesn't give anyone a reason to stick around. You know, we can we can jump to somewhere else and it's going to be better somehow.
3: Yeah, I think I, I think you did a, another session on being in touch with your why a couple weeks ago, I I think it it comes back to that. I think that the the conversation's all related that you, because we are, we're spending so much time with our colleagues more than our family. It needs to be a good reason to get out of bed every day. And you need to be excited to put both feet on the ground and get after it. And so I I think there, there is the sense that if you're not feeling connected at your core with what you're spending your life on, then I think people have the freedom now to go find a bigger, better purpose. And I, I think that's what's wonderful about the current economy. There's certainly a lot of challenges with with how things are progressing as well. But I, I think hopefully at the end of the day, it challenges companies to be introspective about the relationship they have with their employees and making sure that um, they're creating an environment where people are all committed together to bring a vision to life. I, th- I think otherwise, yeah, it does create kind of that, that space for people to wonder, maybe I should go see if the grass is greener on the other side. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I'm, I'm going to keep kind of going after it in search of my personal purpose until I feel connection with something.
0: Liz, you had a, another point?
3: Well, it's a dating game, you know, in
1: the end. <laughs> Yeah. that you know do are you my people am i your kind of person you know good bad culture aside you um do i like this job even though it doesn't pay as much because the people are great they have a um work A home balance that I enjoy. There's a lot of time off. I get a chance to pursue passions outside of work. That could be appealing for one person. Another person could say, Yeah, you know, that job in Boston at Fidelity Investment for half a million. I'm going to pass because I can go to New York and double that. You know, I might. I might almost double my hours, but I'm really after that because that's the kind of animal I am and casting no dispersions on either one of those. But it's also a matter of style. And I think many people don't like a particular type of um, culture because they just don't fit into it it's like, yeah, they're great people, but it's they're just not my people. And, and that's another thing to be aware of. Like, where do we fit in? Not just in terms of, is this offering me a nice culture? Is this the culture where I see myself or where, where I can thrive personally?
0: That's an interesting idea that um, you could work for a great group of people, really enjoy the people, have the world's greatest boss, but you just don't fit into the culture. And, and, and there's something about it that is just not not you and I think um, that that could come with with some age as well. You know, when you're when when you're 26, you'll take any job that you can get, and I don't really care about the culture. But you know, double that age, and suddenly it's really important who you work for. Are you feeling valued? Um, do they do you respect the people you work with? I to me, that's a big one, right? I. Uh, You know, I, I've worked for, that's what I
3: struggle with every day with
0: you. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I can't even believe you're on this podcast right now. I won't even return my phone calls, but um, I struggle with that. I, I struggled with that, you know, decades ago, I worked for some just complete assholes. I just absolutely, some of the worst people I've ever known, but yeah, it was a pretty good job. Right. And and now it's like, I wouldn't do that for any amount of money now. It's just it's just not worth it at some point.
1: I was thinking, on the other hand, there are people who are twice the age of a 26-year-old or a 32-year-old who are still wanting to be relevant, still want to use their skills. And it's pretty challenging for them to find those organizations that first want them. Yeah. And yeah. and respect the experience that they bring to the table, and and also they can get they can get stuck in a really bogus situation just because they feel like their options are pretty limited.
0: Yeah. Um, as we start to wrap up, um, does anybody have any sort of final thoughts on improving your culture, fixing your culture, a- assessing where you're at, or um, you know just for the leaders who might be listening to this, there's a lot of CEOs who tune in, a lot of chief marketing officers as well. And I think a lot of times, if it isn't the CEO, the chief marketing officer is going to get this sitting on their desk, right? So any, any thoughts on if, if somebody's struggling with the culture of their company or, or maybe sharing the values, where can they start and, and what should they take a look at?
3: I think it starts with talking to your employees. I think it it all comes back to people. People create your success. Companies hire human beings, mm-hmm. at le- least for now, until the machines take over. <laughs> um, We've got but, six but, more months at least. It's <laughs> true. we got six months at it. I, I think culture is all about shaping those behaviors within your company of those individuals. And it starts with really listening, with with talking to your employees, listening about who they are, what's important to them. And then kind of figuring out from there, all right, how do we bring Is this the right group of people? Are these the ones that that are gonna take us into the future? And if so, how do we align and create an environment where we can attract more of these and where we can really grow the longevity and retain the existing ones? Um, and I'll, I'll end with Liz, what you were talking about kind of made me think of, we had a saying that people used to tell me not to say, but I'm going to keep saying it, Um, which was we put the cult in culture and it always made me laugh because it's hilarious. It's also a little bit frightening. It did turn people off and that was okay. They weren't our people. If you are not ready to drink the Kool-Aid, then you're probably not going to be in it for the long haul and be here five, 10 plus years. And, and so I, I think it, it does come down to kind of defining who you are, who you want to be, and then knowing you might turn some people off, but you might attract a couple of rock stars, and that's what you need.
0: Excellent. Liz, any more thoughts?
3: Um, in contrast to what Heather
1: just said, sometimes the leadership doesn't come from the top. And as an employee, since organizations are made of people, how brave can you be to go and speak to somebody in an authentic, and you know how I hate that word, but to go in as a, a real person and voice your concerns in a way that doesn't feel like complaints or offenses, how can you collaborate, look at that, that management team, that boss as your collaborator, and, and not your sworn enemy. And you, you know I think it's knowing that we have some power. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we wish, but you got to try.
0: Excellent. Derek, any final thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, I think I'll close by stealing from the best. Um, there is this Paul Newman film called Verdict. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, so he plays, for those of you that haven't, uh, Paul Newman plays a washed up attorney who's seeking redemption through this civil case. And at the very end, he makes this closing argument to the jury. And in this closing argument, he states that justice isn't real, that it's intangible, that you can't really see it. And that if you look around, it isn't everywhere. But today in this room, the jury can be justice. And and that in his religion, there's a saying that is, if you have faith, faith will be given. If you act as if faith is real, faith will come. And I think that that applies to culture. When you, whatever it is you've written on that paper, whatever your values are, you have to act as if those things are real and then they will be, but only then.
0: And thanks for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime starts now. This is the Social Geek Radio Network.